I play this little game in my head where mm -hmm. I say, what if you have an A&R guy coming to visit you in an hour from now and he's gonna listen to this track? You're gonna try to play a finished mm. project. What is most important? In today's episode of Behind the Beat, we are talking to Mikas, aka Juma Sound System, who is an Afro House producer from Norway. He's released music on Get Physical, Kitball, and Soul Selectors, and he has produced music for movies and ballets. And for the past couple of years, he's actually managed to tour the world and play his own music, which I think is way fucking cool. In today's episode, we talked about how he got into the music industry, the downsides and benefits of being a duo, and how to effectively collaborate with other people. We also talked about the struggles of finishing music and what can actually help you finish your tracks. So if you're struggling with finishing your own productions, I think this episode is definitely for you. If you have a question for Mikas, then please feel free to ask it over on the uh, YouTube video in the comment section below or via the uh, Facebook post with this video or this podcast included um, in the comment section below. And then in about two weeks' time, we will uh, create a blog post over on uh, nimsound.com with uh, the answers to your questions included. So yeah, um, I think that's about it for now. A conversation with Juma Sound System is coming up. You're listening to Nim Sounds Behind the Beat. My name is Kasper Stoop, and this is the show that aspires to inspire electronic musicians to create music, to do better marketing, and gain an overall better understanding of how the music industry works. We talk to people who influence the scene and try to gain an insight into how they work and how they have succeeded. Hopefully, by the end of this show, you will have learned a few tricks of the trade that you can implement to help you gain success in your music career. This is Behind the Beat by Nim Sound. My name is Casper Stoop, and I bid you a very warm welcome. Ah. <laughs> All right. Um, so everything is in English from here on out. All right. Even though I know that you are a Nordic mate of mine. I am, yeah. Yes. You're from uh, Norway originally. And you're still. I mean, you're you're still. I'm, I'm still. I'm still Norwegian. You're still I've been here a while in Copenhagen. Yeah. yeah. When did you move here? Uh, it's close to twenty years. Twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, exactly. <laughs> it surprised me as well. I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's already twenty years. Oh my god. I mean, I'm 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 born in. And you've Denmark, been here 20 years. And, and I've been here for, for like 20, 28 years now. And I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> no, but that's another question I've been asking myself. <laughs> Can you let me know why you moved from Norway to uh, to Denmark back in way back in the day? I think we're talking 97 or 98 when I moved here and I was an exchange student. Yeah. Yeah. An exchange, you were an exchange student in, in Copenhagen? Yep. All right. What so, did you... Um, I was majoring in, in film and media. Film and media? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah you, just, yeah, you just told me before we switched on the cameras that you used to actually do interviews like this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, growing up in Norway, how is that? Com like, 
How was it going to school there? How is it uh, being from Norway compared well, to? Well, it's it's my only growing up ever, so I can't <laughs> really compare it to <laughs> anything. <laughs> no, what, no, no, I mean, what uh, what I'm looking for is, um, of course, in 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 a more music related way. Everything was rainbows. Everything was <laughs> unicorns and rainbows, yeah, man. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm what I'm of course questioning here is like, did you have any um, like musical training back in the days? Like what I I'm trying to figure out is how you got no, into no, and no, no, yeah. no, and no. Yeah. You, so you have no musical training. I have no musical training, and my parents are close to being music haters. I would say music haters. <laughs> so <laughs> my dad never listens to music. He he had like three cassette tapes when I grew up. And my mom mostly listened to to radio, like uh, talking podcast radio. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so I don't I don't know where my love from music came from. I guess I was a little bit of a. I I didn't have a happy childhood. No. Not not really. So I guess it was my escapism music mm. and um, and I had a lot of music inside my head, but I never had any way to get it out and I never played in a band or anything so when I got an opportunity to DJ that was sort of my half-ass way to be in touch with something uh, that had to do with music and later I I did like I told you film and media I had my own production company and <coughs> it's all sitting and moving boxes as well mm -hmm. so from there to producing music was uh, less of a step i guess yeah mm -hmm. but my djing came quite early and my production came a lot later like at least 10 years later oh okay that's yeah. actually quite a long time exactly yeah yeah i must have been like 15 when i started djing and my production started in copenhagen end of the 90s yeah wow yeah so did it start out as the monica juma sound system or or did you produce something prior to that it i did a lot but it started out as a duo with my partner in juma sound system Lars piano mm -hmm. so we were both djs but we never tried producing at all and we taught each other from scratch so we started with um, <coughs> making just dj edits to be able to play something fresh personal and unique in the clubs and um, it kind of took off a little quick and surprisingly because mm -hmm. uh, we also made a lot of experimental electronica stuff. We we kind of did that as DJs as well. We were part of something called the Norberg Festival. We helped start that off in the beginning. And I think the festival is still there. There's a lot of Danes doing it in out in, in uh, Sweden. Mm. And because someone heard about us through that, we were asked to produce music for a ballet for a ballet for a ballet so imagine this we never really made any music at all is Lars classically trained Ooh. not at all not at, okay. not at all 
so the whole story is basically they had uh, ballet. It was sort of three three acts, and one act in this ballet was James Bond themed. Yeah, a little lame, but yeah, it that's... was the ballet master who directed it, and it was a prestige thing. And they thought they had the um, the rights to do it, and then it turned out they did not. And the James Bond kind of copyright thing is very uh, it's <laughs> yeah protected. Yeah, I could imagine it's a brand, it's, like a huge it's, brand. It's a huge brand. Yeah, and they said no two weeks, one and a half week prior to to the premiere. And they could not change that. So Lars were asked to come into a meeting and they asked him, can you make ballet music for us in a week? And he's an idiot. So he said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> If someone asked me, I would have been, I cannot make music at all. I should not do this. <laughs> But that sort of optimism worked. So he came back to me and he said, we have a week to make classical music. And we said, let's do this our way. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of electronic meets uh, classic music. So we went up to my attic and we found um, a classical record. And we sampled it and we used those samples and made two-step and drum and bass and trip-hop and stuff like this mixed with uh, classic music, electronica, something. Yeah, For a ballet. For a that's, ballet. That's amazing. And we man. didn't sleep for a week. And um, no, there was probably a lot of time pressure if they assumed that they could use the James Bond theme for it. The thing is, they they rehearsed the dance for half a year, more than half a year. So the dance was there, and you could not change it. So we got it on video. We were watching it, and it was like, oh, there's a pirouette. Okay, let's make something go. And so we made the music to fit their dance. Wow. And, yeah. and without any classical training. Without any, any training at all. But when was this? Like, do you remember? Like, uh, this was, was the very end of the 90s. Yeah. Very end of the 90s. Wow. That's, so uh, we... And we had we had a big problem when we were supposed to test it out. <clears throat> their whole system, their electronic system, had to be rebooted, and there was no all the test audience mm. left because it took forever. So we were making the sound with no people in 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 the room. This was the Royal Ballet. And we didn't know that much about sound. We were we were totally we didn't know anything about anything, to be honest. So we tried to make it the best as we could, recording to that room. And it turns out people take a lot of top. So the bass was heavy. <laughs> it was very bass heavy when we had a real premiere. And the queen showed up, and she's sitting up there just. By the speakers, or her hair were blowing in the bass wind. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it was great. So your music were actually performed by like in front of the queen. In front of the, the queen. The queen gave us flowers afterwards. Oh. Yeah. And I was the black sheep of the family. And my dad came down and he, all of a sudden I'm getting flowers from the queen. And how did he go from that to this? <laughs> That's, oh, man. Yeah, but you, you mentioned that that uh, that Juma Sound System started out as a duo. And you mentioned that Lars were kind of an idiot for saying yes to this project. And you were sort of... Uh, I wouldn't say yes, but I'm really happy he did. Yeah. We I mean, learned so much from those mistakes we did, and we did a lot of mistakes. So. You made a lot of mistakes, yeah. <laughs> yeah <a lot. laughs> like, what are some of perhaps the uh, benefits of being a duo that you see, or that, that were a, like being a duo back in the day in, with Juma Sound System? What were some of like the benefits from it? There's lots of benefits uh, from it. And still today, I try to make a lot of collaborations because I love working with other people. <clears throat> and um, it's if you know if you talk with people and and spend a lot of time getting to know each other, mm. it's very time. Uh, it's it's quicker because yeah. you cannot sit there and trigger this and just tweak that and yeah all the little details. Because the other pe person would just go like, hey, dude, are we going to do something fun soon or what? Yeah. Um, so it's it's great for that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's the same thing when when I um, when I whenever I produce music with uh, Oliver, the mm. other mm. half of uh, Nim Sound, he's way more like he, he pushes me to become quicker at doing things and not fiddle so much with like, okay, I'm going to EQ here and, and use like hours of EQing. Yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. I, I, I would say I have two great tips when it comes to working with other people. Yeah. And one is spend a lot of time listening and talking about music before you start. Yeah. This may not sound, it sounds a little counterintuitive yeah. because you like, we should spend our time making music. Yeah. But actually, the more you do that and talk about what you want to do, the uh, more time you save in the actual process afterwards. You'd be surprised. Okay. And this is because music as a language to describe music is, is a subjective language mm -hmm. so you you need to learn each other's phrases any word you can try to describe some type of sort of music with three words yeah that's uh that is kind of hard it can be deep or funky or whatever word you can come up with yeah. it means something for you that might mean something very different from another person Yeah, and today making music, it's all about those choices you make. So if you make quick, if you know what you want, you make quicker choices. Okay. And the other hot tip I have is to be a little bit analytic. So when you work with someone, your job is to see what their strengths are and try to 
to pull on those and try to avoid their weaknesses. So listen to the music they made before and there you go like, ah, this guy, he makes some great melodies. Yeah. It's, beats are not exactly what I like. Maybe I can contribute more with the grooviness of the beats and we and I can push him to come up with a melody that goes well with it and so forth. Yeah. So and this is a skill. It, 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 it takes a lot of time, but I, one of the things I'm most proud of is I think a lot of the collaborations I made, I made other people make some of their best work with me. That is, that is quite a unique gift to have that to, to be able to like pull that out of people. Like it's not a gift I have. I had to work on you it. You had to work on you it know, a lot. You have to think about it deliberately. Yeah. Okay, so it's a very deliberate thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. What are some of the perhaps? You mentioned that you've done a lot of collaborations previously, sure. uh, and you've also been in a duo for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of? <clears throat> what are some of like the least productive things? Like, what are some of the downsides to being a duo and and to to collaborating? Because I can I can sometimes find it a bit hard to. Um, to compromise on an idea. And I think when you're collaborating in regards to a track, I think there's a lot of uh, compromising, or at least in in my very limited experience. Well, first of all, the longer you produce music, Mm -hmm. the better you get at killing your darlings. Yeah. So in Instead of spending so much time discussing what to compromise, you simply say, okay, maybe you're right. Let's just save this, start a different name, mm-hmm. You 28B, and then you continue on 29. And you say, okay, let's try it your way. If If the other person say your idea is not super great, chances are he's probably right. But the downside or, or the benefits of working alone is you, it gives you much more time to go into depth and ex- just exper- experiment and try to make mistakes and sometimes something cool comes out of it, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe you can go back to that one and, and try your idea. Maybe your partner didn't understand your idea because... The, the 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 preset you chose were a bad one or something, you know? Yeah. So he was definitely right about it not being good as it was presented to him at that moment. Mm-hmm. But if you worked on it, maybe you can present it to him so he understand what you actually meant by it. <clears throat> now I forgot the other question. Yeah. Damn it, I think I forgot it as well. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> then, then it can't be that good of a question. Probably if not. If I forgot it. Yeah, um, yeah so you were a... Oh, yeah. So I, Do you remember? Yeah, I kind of do. What was it? So if you took my advice and talked a lot about the music you want to make yeah. before you even started, you come up in less uh, less frequent you you be in those situations where you start to 
in the middle of the process start to discuss what you really want with this. Yeah, okay. And you and Lars had a lot. Uh, you and Lars had a lot of uh, time spent listening to music together, right? Like how, how did, it how was did... second nature to us. In 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 the end, we spent so much time together making music. We didn't have to communicate like you have to do in the beginning. It's just like okay, and you do. Oh, you do yeah. this. I do that. You try something and the other person goes like, no, no, no. Let's spend our time on something else. You'll be like, okay, I trust your opinion on that. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so my question is, do you miss being a duo? Do you miss being two? Because you've been like, how long, like how long have it just been a solo act or how long has it just been you? It's already been seven years, so I kind, seven of, years. I kind of forgot it a little bit, yeah. how it was being a duo. Um, yeah, like you say, everything has its pros and cons. Yeah, I miss the company when I'm out touring. Yeah, Also, someone to share your experience with. You know, you, when I come back touring as much as I do, People don't want to hear about everything I do. It's just too much for them, you know. So, but if yeah. I, yeah, you want to, you want to sort of hear the bullet points, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. And two of those you bought already. So, <laughs> but if you travel with someone, you have all those experiences together. Yeah. But I also like traveling alone because then you're the new kid in class. You have to behave. You have to be friendly. If you're two people. People take a little more distance, and you're a little more socially secure, and yeah. you don't need other people. If you're by yourself, you need other people. Yeah, you need to talk yeah. to. Yeah, I can. I can see that whenever we're recording a Nim Sound TV episodes, I can see that because there's always like this uh, backstage party, as you know, yeah. um, and I can sort of see if if the people are in a duo or. Consisting yeah. of more than one, they behave quite differently, right? Yeah, they behave quite differently, and they they sort of um, lock themselves in a corner, exactly, and don't really talk to anyone. Whereas if if it's just one person, man, they are outgoing. They're talking to everybody, and yeah, yeah. I met a lot more people that I can call my good friends after traveling alone instead of a duo, for sure. Yeah. Is this part of the reason why you like love traveling so much as well? Not just the music? Like meeting new people? Because you strike me as sort of a people's person. You, you, you strike me as sort of... I'm both. You're both? I, I, have to, I have to strive a little bit to be social. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I like being with people. But sometimes I also I like... I need to lock myself away from everyone. Yeah. So quite often when I come back to Copenhagen, I don't even tell my friends that I'm here just to no, you did, just you... <laughs> fucking look at Netflix and do my shit for two yeah. weeks or something. Yeah, yeah because uh, the way I found out that you were back in Copenhagen were uh, Culture Box posting a uh, Facebook event with you headlining what happens party yeah. and all like. 
Oh, oh, he, oh okay. He's he might be back at that. If point. it wasn't for that, I, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> you would probably pop up on someone's Instagram story or something like, "Hey, Mika's back in town." Maybe. Yeah. How long did you uh, travel for this time around? Um, I was I was back here in Copenhagen last summer for a little more than two months. Two months. Uh, but apart from that, I've just been touring for two and a half years. Oh, two and a half years. Yeah. That's that is quite a long time. It's quite intense. Yeah. yeah, to be on the road. Yeah, that's a. Uh, and even now that I'm I'm back home. Yeah. I spent five nights or something at home. Just since I came back here. More than a month ago, yeah. So I'm not home that much, even no. though this is my home. And it's going to be like that for at least another two months. Yeah. So yeah. I'm way more away than home most of the time. All right. Yeah. But I look forward to just chill the fuck down a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and I made a studio at home just before I left on this massive tour. And I haven't really... Yeah, Even enjoyed it. You know, I just physically made it and left it there. You know. Yeah, I, rem- I remember you asked on uh, Facebook mm-hmm. uh, about these chains for um, for speakers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever find those chains? No, no. So you just have the regular mounts now. It would that would have been or... impossible anyway because I'm, I'm I I treated the ceiling as well. Ah, okay. So yeah. you can't. It's it's not solid enough to hang heavy speakers from it. So. You built your studio and then you went on a world tour. I did. Yep. <laughs> so now, great time back man. To, back to my baby <laughs> soon. Yeah. And I look forward to to coming back and and getting some studio time because I'm not great at producing while on tour. Some people no. are. I'm. I'm either either sort of guy. Yeah. If I make music, I like to do only that mm-hmm. and just shut off my internet and go deep. Yeah. yeah. So you're not really a producer who produces music on the go, or not really? No. I wish I was. I, I watched the interview with Christian, the first one you made. Yeah, but he's super on the go. It's super on the go, and I wish I was that guy, but yeah. I'm 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 just not. No. No, no. How does that coincide with like? How does that coincide with you being on the road for two and a half years and and still managing to like produce music? It's fucking horrible, man. I have to do everything before I leave, or I have to team up with producers on the way. That has studios and have enough time in those studios to finish it, um, while being on this tour, I'm, I was working on uh, quite prestigious project for me. <clears throat> it kind of grew out of proportions a little bit. It was um, a mixed compilation for Get Physical called Body yeah. Language, yeah, which. Usually is like a DJ mix, but they wanted more richly produced material and more material from me. And in the end, it was, I think, 16 or maybe even 17 new tracks 
or by me or remixed by uh, me remixed by other people me remixing someone so it's it's sort of like my album and that mix i liked it but i felt it needed something to cool it down in the end a little bit uh, like a final track you know mm. it's just going up 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 yeah and i was like ah this this dj mix would feel better if it was a track in the end that kind of summed it all up and yeah. took you down and it sort of make you remember the mix a little bit yeah and and the label was pushing quite hard for me to 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 make that um track and i was like but ah fuck I, I i don't have the time i'm going i'm going to a deserted island for two weeks literally a deserted island where was that deserted island uh it was in panama in panama all right yeah. sorry continue <laughs> and uh and i was talking to my good friend um damien muller mm-hmm which I made some tracks with while being in Chile in Santiago. And he said, dude, just fucking do it. He's, he's that kind of guy that can make a track in a day. Oh yeah. We talked about him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a bit like Christian, you know, don't think too much about it. Just do it, get it over with, bring in next one. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to be a little bit like that. Mm-hmm. So I made this track on the beach on a deserted Island. Yeah. And he said, make a sketch as good as you can, send it to me, I'll finish it in, in my studio. And that's what we did. Yeah. And that's the final track of the, uh, yeah. the compilation album, yeah. Kid Physical. It's actually the... What's that called? First track of the first EP. It's called Mame. Mame. Uh, like the island, because that's where ah, I made it. Makes yeah. sense. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I've just like for me, I can sometimes have a uh, have a problem actually finishing a track, especially if I like don't have any deadline or anything. I can really struggle with knowing when a track is finished. Yep, everybody does. Everybody does. Do you have any tips? Like, how do you know that a track is finished? Do you have any? Is it like a feeling that you have? All right. It's it's done now. I, I can actually talk about these things for six hours if you want to. It's a, it's a very feel, big question. Feel free. Um, Do enlighten me. <laughs> the thing is, I have a lot of theories about it, but I'm very bad at executing them myself. Mm-hmm. But I think what you what you have to teach yourself is to finish a project and that's a skill on its own and once you master it it becomes uh, natural for you mm-hmm. it's not natural for me but it's natural for a christian for instance mm-hmm. and um a track is never finished you can tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until you die Chances are it, it might be a little bit better, but not that much better. Mm. So if you see a lot of your favorite producers, sometimes their tracks are a little bit like, you're like, ah, that sounds like they made it pretty quick. 
but the time you spend on making one track, yeah. that producer made six tracks. And his sixth track is much better than the first track will ever be. That is, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah. Take, taking it back to... Uh, that's a question. Uh, we talked about that, uh, that one day guy. Yeah. Um, don't you think that... Uh, my question is, putting out so many tracks and being able to put out so many tracks, do you think that this may, in some way, shape or form, neglect the actual quality or originality of the track? It's hard to say. It's, it's not my method, personally. No. But I'm different. I, I like the process. No. I love to go deep. Maybe I could have a kick drum that just worked for everything, but I'm I'm quite geeky. I, I enjoy the process of finding and tuning the bass thing and finding physically a click and put it on there and then compress it and and just to see what how the sounds are manipulated in reality. And you, you kind of lose out on all of that if you just buy a sample pack. Uh, but I don't mind. It's nothing wrong with doing that. Mm. And sometimes I enjoy this process for myself and sometimes it annoys the fuck out of me too because I spend a lot of time on stupid shit people can't really hear anyway. Maybe my final kick drum will, will not be as good as a sample one anyway. So why do it? But it's... On a good day, it's fun for me. It's meditative, I think. Yeah. So you produce a lot of your own samples? I sample a lot, and then I sort of fix and tweak and stuff, and then I save it again, and sometimes I reuse them, and sometimes not. But I spend way too much time trying to invent the, the wheel every time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I love myself for it, and I definitely hate myself a lot yeah, for it. So. Makes sense. Yeah, I could, I could imagine. But I, I, I think it can be a great advantage to to get into the habit of of finishing things. And I think when I really learned this was uh, I uh, I met Skrillex in South Africa once. And I had to ask him because he makes a lot of tracks. Yeah. And I have the same problem as you. I make sketches and they're never finished. And I had to ask him, like, how, how do you do that? And he's like, that's just what I do. And I hated that answer so much. That is you know, a I terrible I couldn't accept yeah. it. I was like, there has to be a reason. Were you always like this? Did it start like that? And he's like, oh, well, come to think of it. It did start like that because I had a cracked software mm -hmm. that you could you could bounce out of it, but you couldn't save your project. So when I started making music, I had to fucking finish the track or I had to leave my computer on all night. And he had a shitty computer, so it usually burned down if he did that. 
so he got into the habit of you start something, you finish it. Maybe it's not the best track in the world, but it will be better. The next one will be better. And that is actually quite a smart idea. You can try it for yourself yeah. as a dogma to see. What what I sometimes do for myself is I play this little game in my head where mm -hmm. I say, what if you have an A&R guy coming to visit you in an hour from now? Yeah. And he's going to listen to this track. You're going to try to play a finished mm. project. What is most important? Yeah. It's not to tweak the kick drum. No. It's to, to maybe to to make it sound like a track, to make a melody that works or something yeah. like that. And I, I think sketching out mm. beforehand is definitely a, I mean, it's, it's taught me a lot and gotten me a lot closer to the process of actually finishing, completely finishing tracks. Sketching uh, out? Sketch, like sketching you out. have some loops, then you just start to... Yeah, then I just arrange like, them. Yeah, and find like placeholders. Yeah. I know that, all right, this clap is not going to be the final clap. Yeah. But it works for now. Exactly. So you get the general outline. And I talked to a friend of mine who is a an is an is an actual actual artist, but a painter and, and he draws and stuff like that. And it dawned on me like you never hear about a painter who just paints like a portrait without first sketching out, okay, where is the nose and how is the proportions exactly. of the eyes yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So why not just duplicate that onto like a music workflow? For sure. I mean, you can say deadlines are your biggest friend mm -hmm. because you also have ear fatigue. So if you listen to a loop long enough, it will sound natural. If you just start to bash it out, Chances are when you introduce that snare or whatever, mm. oh, you hear it quite immediately if it doesn't fit. But if you just sit with the loop, it will sound like it fit and you spend two hours on, on, on something that doesn't fit. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, begun, um, I've begun bouncing out the tracks as well, like mm -hmm. committing to like actual audio. Mm. That's a good idea, yeah. Like playing a synth for a little while, like maybe 15 minutes or something like that, just tweaking it and being like, okay, it would be cool if uh, the filter opens up and stuff like that. Mm. And then take that track and simply bounce it out <clears throat> and then work with that audio. Because yeah. I think committing to the things, I think like putting limitations on yourself may be a somewhat good idea. Sometimes it might work. I got this new soft synth now that I kind of like the sound of it. What's it called? Uh, June tree. Um, June. And it doesn't keep my preset. Also, oh, we have to tweak it every time? I have to tweak it every time. And it's the same. I have to, I can, I can do it and I can bounce it. But if I just keep the MIDI, everything is lost. Yeah. And that is back to Skrillex kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, part of me kind of loved it, you know. It, yeah. it gives that deadline kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you no. can't you can't just dick around and be like, oh no, do it next time, do it next time. Because yeah. But you told me that uh, uh, 
you feel that it's kind of a meditative to actually like go in and tweak these samples and and create your own samples. You told me that you sample it's, a lot. Uh, like, yeah, I do. Are um, all of your drums like samples from your tour in Africa and stuff like that, perhaps? Or I, I mix it all up. It's like uh, some of it, it's musicians I recorded. Some of it I just sample CDs or I hear a track I like. I steal something from that and twist it around. And yeah, it's multiple sources. I just try to stay away from the obvious ones sometimes, you know, like if you make tech house and you sample from a tech house sample CD, there's nothing new coming out of that. Maybe it's more interesting to sample from a reggae or a Balinesian one, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a lot of different ones to take from today. So. The options are kind of endless. I remember the track with I I can't remember the name of the track. I'm absolutely piss poor with names for tracks. I I look when I DJ. I look a lot on the artwork. Mm. But I remember the track you made. The yellow with, one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I remember the track you made with the uh, King Ayusoba. Mm. I asked about like how you make the drum loop because mm. it's so fluent and so. And you told me that it's not really a kick drum that you're using there, but it kind of sounds like it. Like, how do we go about like actually building a kick drum? Because I think it's super hard to build like a kick drum, for example. That's it's not really that hard. You can make it with a sinus tone pretty easily. It's just yeah. a very steep yeah. downwards pitch. Yeah, but I mean, how do you layer it? With, for example, like a tom drum and then like some noise and like oh, how, how do you go like about that. that whole process? Because it's more than just like, I assume, a tom drum and a uh, sine wave. It's different every time. It's like, if you can be a little bit geeky, usually you put the bass lowest mm-hmm. and you have the, the kick um, a little bit um, higher in frequencies. Yeah, but recently I've been catching myself doing more the opposite. So the kick is the deep, the yeah. deep bass, and the so-called bass is more mid-ranged and lies above. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, that's cool. All right, because those are you don't want those frequencies to battle too much. You know, that's. No, that's yeah, that's true. But this exact track you asked about, mm-hmm. it doesn't have any sort of kick drum. It's just the original drums, original. which sounds African. But it actually some Indian guys who recorded it for me because I, I made a Bollywood track, <laughs> and I ended up never using those uh, drums. But I always loved them. Yeah. And then I had King Ayasoba in my studio and we played some different beats and he was like, oh, I like that. And I was like, I think I expected I would later on put on a kick and um, hi-hat or something, but we never did. And I sold that track to Cross uh, Crosstown Rebels and it's actually a house track 
that doesn't have a kick, it doesn't have a snare, it doesn't have a hi hat. Um, oh, so, but it's categorized as that, or still sold at house, but mm, all right. it's uh, it's <laughs> even triolitized, so it's not even a steady four four beat. So starting out projects, mm. how do you go about it? Like, do you have a? You mentioned earlier that you had a lot of music in your head. Do you have like a general idea of where you want to go with the track before you start? Or is it just sitting down and, all right, let me start tweaking a hi-hat or something like that and see what comes up. Like, how do you go about like, because it can be kind of daunting, opening a new project at Blank Slate. I love that feeling. You love that feeling? Yeah. I love that feeling. It's, it's a luxury feeling for me because I have 10,000 things I should have been doing. <laughs> so quite often it starts with just... Uh, a drum loop or something and I always start with the beats if I just start with a clean slate or as I'm not a musician I can be out walking or some somewhere where I feel inspired and something pops into my head I just record it on my phone and I try to recreate it later okay. or I don't use it for anything and I make this drum loop and like, huh, what can I put on top of this? And you can flick through what you recorded earlier and see if you find some inspirations there. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's it sounds, I don't want to play it for anyone ever. I'm too shy for that shit. It sounds horrible, but it might make some sort of meaning for me, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like, you, I hate listening to it, but... Yeah, I, it's fun. I I could imagine I would, but you but you record these snippets on like the street, walking down yeah, the street. Yeah, or something. yeah. And I started to be less and less shy about it because you're always with people. I would be super and shy. And you like, <laughs> ah, fuck it. Boot, bam, boom, boot, you boom. Yeah. Oh man, I would. Oh man, I would be tiny. I it's would be horrible. Slow. It's horrible. Yeah. Oh. You can. Go into a corner somewhere. <laughs> um, I also remember talking to you uh, a couple of years back about DAWs. Do you have you have you made the shift to Ableton yet, or are you still using that obscure old? Yep. You are. Uh, What's it called? Acid. Acid. And the weird thing is, after close to 10 years, they actually made a new one. Oh, they did? I haven't had time to test it. Yeah. So there's an update But why? in 64-bit, and I haven't <gasps> even had time to, to try it out. Yeah. But why are you sticking with that old DAW and not like modernizing your... Uh, part of me want to. Mm. Another part of me is like, I just have to finish this first. And I'm, I'm an old dirty bastard by now. So <laughs> to learn new tricks might take a little bit of time. And but what I do now sort of works. But yeah, in time I would I would love to have that extra time to to learn something new. But I think I have to do it parallel. I think I need to do my shit. Yeah little bit longer and then maybe learn something new on the side yeah. yeah 
I don't have any good excuses. Shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you um, do you then still stick with a lot of the old uh, plugins that you use from when? Like, of course, oh. you've gotten a lot of new plugins, I assume, yeah. since. But, but are you still using a lot of like old school plugins? For producing, not that much. Not that much. Uh, no, no, quite a few, quite a few. Some, some I do. Yeah. So, in the sense of uh, the DAW, yeah. using an old DAW, and and in the sense of uh, like new VSTs and stuff like that. Yeah. I just found a program that could um, encode the the thirty two bits into sixty four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, other way around. The 64, they can degrade it to so 32 uh, compatible uh, VST in yeah, my doll. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, because I remember I heard a uh, talk with uh, Noir, mm. um, and he he like buys as as he told it, but he like buys since all the times like VST, new VST, new VST, new VST. Oh, and it's sort one of, of those junkies. Yeah. It's sort of, uh, as soon as it sort of gets stale for him, he mm-hmm. doesn't want to use it anymore. And then he, like he finds inspiration buying new plugins. Gotcha. But like, he got quite a bit of money too. <laughs> that's true. But like, and I've been, I've been using like silent for like, I think it was one of the first VSTs I bought ever. Mm-hmm. And my question is, do you think modernizing your VST collection and like getting new VSTs are super important, getting the latest and the greatest? You get lost in that shit. I get lost in that shit all the time. If you ask any producer about hot tips, they will always say, get really good at using a few VST plugins and soft synths and stick with that. You're much more efficient. But I don't. I do not at all. I try, I have to try all the latest shit. But speaking of soft synths, I quite often go back to some of my old favorites, like the Arturia CS80 and Mm. ARP uh, 3400, whatever, and Native Instrument Monarch, uh, the Diva. Yeah, there's some some favorites that you just, okay, I need that warm sound. Where do I get it? A lot of the new VSTs, they're very big and bright and strong and very, very stereo. Yeah. And very digital. Uh, it just gets a little too EDM-ish for what I want to do, I think. Yeah. So do you still uh, do you still use a lot of like your old hardware synths? No, I'm not a big hardware guy at all. I use some, but hardly any. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you? St- Did you start out by using hardware or no, you, software? No, it was it was software all along. Okay. Mm, yes and no. I would quite often, quite often I would make something in MIDI, mm-hmm. and then I would go to a friend of mine that had the real hardware, and he would record it. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I would collaborate with people. Ah. 
and he would he would be a proper keyboardist that could play it much more than I would. Okay. I want to talk with you a little bit about again touring the world and um in particular um how to sustain a living while traveling. Like do you sustain a living from uh, from purely the DJ gigs or are you doing something musically on the side as well or I I've been living from making music and DJing my whole life more or less yeah you have yeah wow how do i think that's the dream life for a lot of <laughs> uh, for a lot of upcoming musicians well compared to a scandinavian i do not make a lot of money oh so you have to be willing to make that sacrifice yeah i kind of grew up poor and then I was a student for many 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 years mm. and um, so I, I think I learned how to live from less so yeah of course I, I rent out my apartment I own an apartment mm -hmm. and that that money sort of it keeps my head above water more or yeah. less So I don't have to DJ uh, like desperately when no. I'm on tour, but I, I like to, and uh, I see what happens. And usually, yeah, I've been working every weekend. Do you, Do you do anything to like create? Of course, you got like this passive income of constant royalties from like your releases. But you mentioned that you That's also not a lot, though. No, I, I assume it's not yeah. a lot, but. You make. You mentioned that you made made like a track for a Bollywood movie. Like, mm, yeah, do, do you, that's some this? years back now. But it, actually, it was not a Bollywood movie. It was an Indian movie. An Indian movie. An yeah. Indian indie movie. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and it had quite a bit of uh, good music in it. Yeah. Yeah. But I made a, a real Indian song for that uh, too, actually. So I collaborated with a guy writing it, instrumentalist playing it, and a vocalist singing it in Indian. So I was part of that whole Bollywood way of making music, and it's uh, very fascinating to me. I, yeah, that is, uh, uh, that is kind of yeah, because I assume it's it's a different way of working rather than sitting down and producing like a club track. I assume you have like to have a completely different mindset in regards to sound design and and, and layout and everything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean they they chose us. I was still with Lars at the time too because they wanted a little more western sound. So we had a little uh -huh. modern element to it as well. As most Bollywood music do today, anyway, mm. it doesn't sound like in the 70s. Because when you think Bollywood music, yeah, you sound yeah. like that very high-pitched female yeah. vocalist and stuff. That none of that exists anymore. It sounds more rock, poppy, hip hopish, R and Bish now. Yeah. So, um, but it's a very efficient system. It's like you do your job, mm -hmm. you do it well next 
So these guys, they, 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 they write a hundred songs in a year or... Or these artists, you... Uh, these yeah. guys, yeah. The, the Bollywood is, is such a massive uh, machinery. So if yeah, you, uh, yeah, if you're good at something, you you do it a lot. Like they they're not lazy like in the West, you know. <laughs> not like you and me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, but um, when traveling the world, you are keeping uh, sort of the cost low. I think at uh, by do you live at the uh, hostels and 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 stuff like that? Mm. Or do you live at people? Do you live at people's house? A lot, yeah. You do, yeah, yeah. How do you find these people? Um, <laughs> do you just show up in the airport and start asking around, or no, never. <laughs> I, I, I just been doing it a lot, so I sort of have friends all over the world by mm. now, and um, sometimes it feels natural to get a couch somewhere, yeah. And um, if not, maybe I do a cheap Airbnb, or quite often I'm in a beautiful more summer holidayish place and yeah. you you rent a little beach house or something it, it depends where i am yeah yeah but it's incredible how friendly and and inviting people are all over the world mm. and it's yeah it's been warming to see uh it must be an experience really like none other traveling getting getting to travel the world for like uh, two and a half years and in, in almost a row i mean when when you hear it everybody goes wow because when people think about traveling they think i travel like they do like they're just tourists and they just eat a lot of fancy food and get suntanned on the beach which I do quite a lot of. <laughs> But I also have to work while I'm on the road. So I just live in the city I'm at quite often. Yeah, and then you work from that city. Ooh. Yeah, so yeah. I don't have time to go and see the Eiffel Tower or whatever every fucking day. I I have to spend eight hours sitting on my laptop somewhere that I wished I could go outside and, and be a tourist instead. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's nice to know. Do you, do you, like getting bookings around the globe, you do have a booking agent making sure of that, right? No, quite a lot of it I do myself. I have uh, a main booking agent here in Europe. Yeah. And then I collaborate with, maybe I have an Australian one, I have an Indian one, South African one, blah, blah. But quite often I just do it myself as well. Okay, so yeah. so you just write to like your network in, I don't know, Brazil. Hey, I'm going to be in Brazil from these dates. Sort of. Can you? Yeah. Okay. That's a... I'm not big enough of an artist that someone in Tokyo will ask for me and and bring me over sometimes it happens but but very rarely so the trick is to if you ask for flight shares a lot of people are gonna back off because they don't want to be the only club playing paying for the whole trip over when it's far away so instead i i buy this around the world trip which also 
saves a lot of traveling and the carbon footprint quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I just go slow by slow over the whole world and I tell people, like you said, hey, I'm going to be in Central America in, in January and February. Can we make something happen? And, um, you know, the more you do it, the more it snowballs and you can come back to those clubs you played in the past and so on. But it must have been a lot of footwork doing it the for first sure. time around sure. you did it. For sure, yeah, yeah. How long does it take for you to actually like, plan out a uh, a trip like this? You can't. You have to do it while on on the move. On the move, because usually clubs they book three or four months ahead, and not a lot before, and definitely not at all after. So you just have to gamble and say, hey, if I'm in Central America in February. And don't get some gigs. Maybe it's not the end of the world. Perhaps <laughs> not. No. Yeah. I, I but you, I usually, saying, I do yeah. get gigs. So, yeah. so I, I, I like traveling. It has to start there. Yeah. If you're not mm -hmm. curious and want to travel, you know, it's uh, that's not just not a job for you. So. Are you the places you're at? Does this influence your sound? Does this influence like? The way you make music, or or the way your the tendencies in 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 what you strive towards in making music, not that much, not that much. Yeah, I just remember we spoke about. Um, I just remember we spoke about the uh, what was it? Um, like this whole uh, samba vibe and this whole uh, Brazilian mm. vibe mm. in their music. Um, Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, if you go to Africa, you 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 feel some of that, and you hear something new, and yeah, like when I make a track on a deserted beach, it's really hard to make a aggressive club banger. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, I think I think the world is pretty global by now when it comes to our type of music. Yeah, it makes so, sense. Yeah. What you you can be anywhere, and what you listen to is what you choose to listen to on the internet. So that's your inspiration. All right. Well, I actually have a, a few other questions, but uh, we are somewhat running out of time. <laughs> we have to make another one. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, if you can come back some other time, that sure. will be absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I did this with Christian, mm -hmm. and again, I wouldn't call it a tradition. It's the second time we're doing it. Twice is a tradition. <laughs> Twice is a tradition. All right. I have to take my dick out? No. No, 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 no. no. That's when the cameras are off. Um, <clears throat> on that note, three quick questions. Ooh. Um, yes, no, and no. All right. That's it for today. <laughs> Thank you for watching. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Are you ready? Number one. Favorite plugin at the moment and why? You he uh, made this uh, kind of a delay thing called oh, help me out here. Copy, 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 copy. I don't know. Color, copy, copy, color. 
Can I Google it? You can uh, <laughs> you can Google it, and we will make sure to uh, like link in the description and link everywhere for it. But that's your favorite plugin at the moment. There's still a plugin ish. That's one of them. One of them. Yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to pick like one, but yeah. yeah, I get it. All right, second question. Color copy, I think it is. Color copy from Yuhi for sure. Yeah. All right. We'll link to it. But second question. What did you wish you knew when you first got started in the music industry? Ooh, uh, that's a solid one. Christian had a hard time. Yeah, uh, I think. This. I think it's really great to don't quit your day job. Yeah. Have a plan B. That would make you sleep a lot easier at night. Because I'm, I've been making music full time you know mm-hmm. and that's a lot of pressure i think if i'm going to do it all again it would have been better in the beginning to not have that pressure to succeed and make money out of it you know yeah. it's better to to just enjoy it and and ease into it mm-hmm. yeah i think that would be one of my my tips that's a nice answer uh, i like that um number three what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given and this doesn't have to be music related huh i'm trying to think of some of my big inspirations now one single It's a it's a tough question. Um, Christian Nielsen had two. And yeah. I don't remember the first one, but the second one was uh, from Scream. Um, from Scream. Yeah, Scream. Yeah, that, that DJ uh, uh, producer from uh, Britain. Okay. Uh, who? No, it was from. Uh, oh shit! I forgot who it was. But anyways, it was. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Which is kind of a nice advice. Huh. That's a good advice. Yeah. Well, my my teacher, my psychology teacher, he told me once, you should live like a happy idiot. Yeah. So I even put it as a motto on my on my Facebook. I guess it's profession or something. I put it as happy idiot. So. And um, I'm trying to live it. So that might be one of the advices that it meant most to me. Live life like an happy idiot. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> That's nice. I like that. <laughs> There's some depth behind it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and all right. I Since you're traveling the world so much. Mm-hmm. And um, we're kind of into the same music somewhat. And uh, so a bonus question for you. Can you recommend some talent to keep an eye out for? Like, who are you into right now? Yeah, of course, there's, there's quite a few of those. And as I make, we never even talked about that, but my music is kind of African-inspired. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's quite a few guys down there that I got into remixing me now as some called uh, team distant that made uh, a remix for me that I just been playing more or less every time I'm out uh, DJing this last 
three months at least. Mm-hmm. And there's also a Brazilian guy on there called Mesomo. And I think he has a quite original sound that people still all understand. And he might he might blow up within the next year or so. Yeah. Okay. I like him a lot. Um there's Karenda Soul. Yeah, I heard which, about him. Uh, it's really doing some cool stuff at the moment as well. <clears throat> yeah, that might be three hot tips. Yeah. Thank you for those hot tips. I will definitely uh, check them out. Yeah. Um, do you remember your social media credentials so that you can let people know where they can uh, hook up with you online? It's Juma Sound System. Juma Sound System. Yeah. All along Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, all that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm making a new homepage now, so it's jumasoundsystem.net. Okay. But we're, of course, going to link to everything all right. everywhere. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you, uh, thank, <laughs> you for, uh, <laughs> thank you for coming. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. I truly enjoyed my conversation with Mika's aka Juma Sound System. It was so much fun to hear about how he's managed to produce music uh, for a movie and a ballet without any like, you know, prior uh, musical theory or knowledge, which was kind of a cool feat to pull off. That that was cool. Um I also found the tips on uh, how to finish tracks uh, very helpful as this is something that I like struggle with a lot myself. Um, and I know a lot of people out there are struggling with it as well. Um, and yeah, I would actually really like to, uh, or really love to hear uh, what you found most helpful about this episode. So hit uh, hit us up over on um, hit us up over on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and and all that jazz. And if you actually enjoyed the show and want to support it, uh, please do subscribe and write a uh, review over on iTunes. Or you can text a friend telling him about the show. Uh, like, I don't know, uh, the host is kind of an idiot, but the uh, the guests are always kind of cool. Um, yeah, so uh, that's it for today. Don't forget to keep at it and uh, stay passionate. And I will see you when I see you. Bye.